Hello, and welcome to the Vlogging Pod. Tonight, we are joined by multiple genre author, Evelyn Hori. No, I'm, 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 no, I'm going to mess this up, so forgive me if I do. Puerto? Is my getting that right? That's exactly right. Like Puerto Yay. Rico. Yay! <laughs> Congratulations to me, and welcome to the room. <laughs> So how are you this evening? I'm doing great. How are you, Ari? Um, awesome. Awesome. It was a beautiful day outside. Things are a little bit brighter today as far as emotionally, everything. So I'll take it as a win. I would too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had a, some rain and then some sun and I was out for a walk and it was great. Yeah, I love those days. I mean, it's just like a fresh new start. So, um, Oh, I need to start my timer. That would help too. I'm here. I am getting ready to go right into the interview and I didn't even start my timer. We're going to go ahead and push the button. That'll be the little ding you hear there. I'm going to start this right off. Um, kind of on a deeper tone than okay. my usual interviews by asking you to speak to us on the 348 page work published in 2010 uh, called beyond the rapids tell us about this book oh my um yeah that was my first book and it came about i had been a missionary in russia and every year i would go down to ukraine and meet some people i knew from my church in st louis and we would do a medical clinic and a children's camp and all kinds of things and we met this very fascinating family the father had been a baptist pastor during the soviet union and the whole family had been persecuted for their faith and they had all kinds of amazing stories when i returned wow. to yeah it it just it was incredible anyway when i returned to the states a woman who had been in ukraine cornered me and said you need to write a book about this family and i said no thank you i'm not a writer and she said oh but you know the people you know the culture you know the language and you can write it in a way that americans will understand and i finally agreed to do it and i'm really glad that i did because i found their stories so inspirational and so encouraging and part of their philosophy was looking beyond the problems you look beyond the rapids to god and that's what helped them through all of the horrible things they suffered I think that it it weighed on me a lot reading it, especially with Ukraine going on a year now at yeah. war. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, that that has to be monumental for you now to have written the book and then stand back and see what's happening now. It's hard. I have friends on both sides and it's you know very difficult to talk to my Russian friends. Some, I mean, a lot of them are not in favor of this what's going on. And then the Ukrainians that I am in touch with, just what they are suffering is, is horrible. And I, I look at, I hear the news and I think, oh, I was there or all those children that came to the children's camps in the nineties, they're now 20, 30 years older. Are they the ones fighting the war? I and mean, what has happened to all these people we knew? It's, it's heartbreaking. It is. It, 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 I mean, like I said, when I, when I read what that that you had written such a book and I was like, I don't, it just really touched me, especially, you know, so I, it just, it's all over the news because it's just reaching the year mark. 
So I could only imagine what it's like for you to sit back and see that. So it's just just extremely heartbroken. I would be on both sides of that. I, you know, I I don't even have any words for it. You can hear how I'm tongue tied just on that alone. Um, So, and I wasn't even there, but just emotionally, you know, to see those pictures and war is never a good thing. No, it never is. And then, yeah. And it, it has brought it home to me to, to look at some of those places and I've seen some buildings and I'm thinking, oh, I was there or I was in that building. And it's, it's, it's just mind blowing. It, it really rocks your world when you see things yeah. like that. Right. But what an epic piece for you to first start your writing on. So when you started, you did this book and like I said, monumental piece, especially in today's setting. Right. And now let you verged on, see, I think it took you six years. Am I getting this correct for your next book? Just about. I, I decided after writing that first book, well, I really enjoy the writing process. But the problem with writing a memoir is you kind of have to stick to the facts. And that was tedious at times. And I thought, well, if I just create my own fantasy world, I can make up my own rules. And I had no idea how much I had to learn about how to make that work. So it did take six years. In the middle of that, I wrote, I was the ghostwriter for someone else's memoir. So there was probably about a year and a half where I didn't do much on my own novels. But I was really learning the craft of fiction. And that's why it took so long. I didn't want to just spit out a book and publish it and see what happened. Like throwing the spaghetti against the wall and seeing. (laughs) I wanted to write something that I could be proud of. And right. so I took my time and learned and learned and learned more things when I thought I had learned them. And the result was Flight of the Spark. Right. I was just going to introduce that. So thank you for doing so. Um, that was your first. Tell me, though, um, did you find going on this journey from the, from your first to the second? And you said you had another memoir that you wrote in the year mm-hmm. for somebody else. Uh, tell me. Did it, was it mind opening from going from one to the other? Did it feel easier? Did it feel harder? Tell me about that. It was harder than I anticipated. I will say yeah. that. Okay. I, I didn't realize how much depth you need to, to develop a character that is living, feels living and breathing to readers to not be flat. Uh, nuances of writing dialogue. Somebody early on told me my dialogue was on the nose and I didn't know what that meant. So I had to look that up and find that out (laughs) and then correct that problem. So there was just so much I didn't know. And, and I was, I guess I was thinking back to, well, in high school, I did creative writing. So I know how to write fiction. Well, uh, wrong. That's silly me. And Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a long journey. Right. So the flight of the spark led you onto the series called The Outlawed Myth. Right. Where you now have four in the series, with the last being in this series, this newest one, is uh, Flood of the Fire. Flood of the Fire. Talk to, yeah. Right. Talk to me about the series and where you are in the latest of this series. Well, the series started, I, I knew I would be writing probably four books in a series, I really didn't Mm -hmm. know where it was going. Flight of the Spark was 
somewhat inspired by a call to the police. Oh. I, I didn't make that call, but I heard okay. that there was a random news story I heard about some people who had, they had two kids and the kids were about 10 and six years old, something like that. They lived about quarter of a mile from a park and the children were allowed to go to the park by themselves and play and come back. And there were rules, stay together, don't talk to strangers, all that stuff. Well, somebody, some of the neighbors called the cops on these people for neglecting their children. And that became a big thing. And I started thinking, wow, when I was a child, we would get on our bikes and be gone all day. And as long as we showed up for meals, nobody was terribly alarmed about that and how things had changed. And we are so much more safety conscious, but we've given up a lot of freedom. And that's what sparked this idea of creating a world where they had traded all their freedom for safety. And what were the repercussions of that? And the protagonist in this book realizes that when you're so fixated on safety and afraid that everything is a danger, you're in bondage to everything. You're afraid of everything and you're really not living. Right. You bring up an interesting point. Um, my mother, uh, she's never watched Stranger Things. So oh. when she comes, I know, hold, hold, for, hold for the punchline here. Hold for the punchline. Um, she can't, speaking along what you're saying about children being out to play, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so we were watching it, and now because of today's standards and because of all the bad things we know that can happen that were missing from our time back when we were younger, right. and you think, why are they letting their kids go out? But I'm thinking, well, that was the 1970s, or I think, it was, no, 1980s, maybe, I think Stranger Things was placed more, and I'm thinking... Like yeah, I'm like, how old was I? Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, we did do that. And, you know, because when the kid's out there riding their bike and they're going home and it's getting dusk, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, why isn't she picking these kids up? And I'm thinking, holy crap, that's what we did. That is that's what right. we did. <laughs> so, if I wanted to go somewhere, we walked. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, it. man, you hoofed it, you know? <laughs> And I remember we, we walked up our road and we're, I was born more rural, you know what I mean? But still we walked up that road and we went to this person's and we went to that or we crossed the field, you know what I'm saying? Through cows and stuff like that. And I'm, yeah, it's, it is mind, mind opening when you think about it to today's standards to how we were back then. So yeah, I can see that totally. So totally changed. Oh yes, totally. So read before you write. Okay. Some oh. a sentiment that I saw. <laughs> before you write. Yes. Right. Elaborate to me about the desire to give lessons to others on writing. Well, after the first book and that there was a lot of missteps in that, a lot of things I did wrong, a lot of things. Oh, and then you write the book and then you have to figure out how to be a book marketer. That was a whole, mm. new, that was a huge revelation to me and all of this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's sad but true. Mm. So I, I was joking with my husband that I needed to write a book called The Thousand and One Mistakes I Made in Writing My First Book. That was kind of a clunky title, but I ended up writing this little work, Read Me Before You Write just to try to put down all the things I had written. And actually a few months ago, I picked it up again and I thought it's been 10 years, I really need to update this thing because I have learned so much that would be so helpful to somebody. And 
that's kind of gone by the wayside, but I do plan on finishing that, the updated version this year. Right. Well, that's cool. I'd love to have you back on to go over those. So <laughs> I'm happy to. When I get it well, done, I'm well, happy to let you know. Wonderful. Because we could go right over that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to dive just a little deeper. I know we started off real deep in the very beginning, but I want to go just a bit deeper. If you don't mind me, no. um, I want to bring up a quote of yours. Would you mind if I do that? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, tell me the meaning behind this, if you wouldn't mind, once I get this. This is a little bit of a long quote. So here okay. we go. People don't always say what they mean or what they are thinking or they invade the main issue, uh, evade, sorry, evade the main issue under discussion. These are all the things to think about when writing realistic dialogue. This quote, explain to us the knowledge that you gained in your writing that you say mm -hmm. that to others. That came out of that accusation that my dialogue was on the nose. Ah. On the nose, I had to look it up. It meant that people say exactly what they mean. And actually, I was just move, watching a movie the other day, and I thought, this is a great example of how to do it right. So the most people, when we talk, we don't speak, say the whole exact thought. Like, nobody's going to say, let's go to the George Washington Memorial Park founded in 1982 that's on Maple Street. If you're saying that to your friend, you're going to say, let's go to Washington Park. You leave out right. all that other stuff. But I've read in a lot of people's work all that detail. So this movie I saw was called Knives Out. It has Jamie Lee Curtis in it. And she's being interviewed by the police because there was a suspicious death. And she does not want to have anything to do with them. And she's sitting there drumming her fingers. And the police thank her for her time. And she says, it was delightful. But when you look at her face and you hear her tone, you know she means... It was totally boring for me. Mm -hmm. She's not saying her words and what she really means are two different things. And so the way to really write natural sounding dialogue is to pick up on that tendency we have to not exactly say what we mean, or we use a lot of verbal shortcuts that, um, that an insider would understand but somehow we have to make the reader an insider too, so that they understand what's going on. Right. Hmm. So as we have spoken about dialogue, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, you, you like my lead in there? Okay. Yeah, very, very slick. I like it. Th thank you. Thank you. Um, I also read that you prefer to use action beats as much as you can to avoid dialogue. So tell me about how that works for you. I mean, how does that work for you when you do that, when you make those into your possible, into your, to overlude the dialogue? Well, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the dialogue tags more than okay. the words, but also yes, to, to show the emotion behind what the person is saying. And that is something I am really struggling to master. And as I go back and look at some of my work, I think, boy, there's an action beat there where she brushes her hair back, but I could have used something better that would have been more specific to how she's feeling or, or fit in more with what's going on in the scene, uh, like she's putting on her clothes or she is cooking something. 
just to make it more real. But yeah, those action beats, it's, that's something I'm really struggling with to, to make it really an addition to the writing, to enhance the writing. Okay, for those who don't understand, explain the tags so that oh. those who don't know what you're meaning. Okay. So dialogue tags, that's like the he said, she said, and some people get very elaborate with the he whispered and the she announced and all of that. Mm -hmm. But it's it seems to me it's a better practice to not to use as few of those as possible or to stick to the he said, she said, just so that the reader, because when you say something like he said angrily, you're telling the reader what they're feeling instead of helping the reader feel it for themselves through right. the person's actions or what they're saying. So I'm finding that that's a real art form to pull off well. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's a real threat to creativity because how many times can you have somebody push their hair out of their face or, oh, yeah. or cross their arms or whatever. So yeah, I'm, I'm, that, that's where I'm really trying to stretch the craft right now. So award-winning author, yes? Yes, yes. Okay, tell me about the awards. Tell me what awards have come your way. Well, the first one was a bronze medal from Reader's Favorite for Beyond the Rapids. Mm -hmm. And that was really life-changing for me, I have to say. Because I, I wrote that book, I put it out there, I just wasn't sure how good it was. And when I got that award, I, I, I literally cried because I thought, wow, I mean, somebody other than me <laughs> thinks this is true. <laughs> you know, and somebody who compares a lot of books. So that was really, that was when I decided maybe I should pursue this writing thing and do it more because at least somebody thinks I do it well. Right. So then I went on with uh, Flight of the Spark and that one won a silver rep medal from Reader's Favorite. It was also given an indie brag medallion. That's not exactly a, a contest. They just read a lot of books and a small percentage of them they give this award to as worthy books. And then uh, the third book in the series, Sting of the Scorpion, won two book fest awards. And one was second place and one was third place. So that was mm -hmm. exciting. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. So my final question, since we've only got two minutes, and I am going to stop this timer because I'm telling you, if it goes off, it is going to be the loudest <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, um, as your, my final question of the evening, what's next for 2023? What are the goals? What are the plans? What are aspirations? Tell me. Well, I have just finished the second draft of the first book of a new series. So my plan is to publish that one this fall. And its working title is The Girl Who Broke the Dark. Mm, I like so, that. Well, good, good. I'm glad you do. <laughs> I, I, I struggled on that one. And I have just started this week drafting the second book in that series. Nice. So that one would come out next year. And like I said, I'd love to put out edition two of Read Me Before You Write. Nice. Well, if you decide to do that, look me back up and come back on because I would love to maybe do some segments and we could even put it out and invite some people to come in to ask you questions about writing. Oh, would you be opposed be to that? Oh, I'd awesome. love it. That would be wonderful. 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 Maybe we'll hit some of those writing groups and we'll ask some guys, Hey, do you want yeah. some advice? Do you want, let's come in with award-winning author. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Exactly. All right. 
I might have to do some of my own. Like, what did I do wrong on this book? No. <laughs> um, so I want to thank you so much. You actually were a pleasure to speak with. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Oh, so I thank you so much. Too. You made it very uh -huh. easy. Oh, I try. I try to make it as painless as possible. <laughs> seriously, I do. Some people get scared because I like to do research, but I seriously is I like to make it just like having a conversation with a friend. So I try to make it as easy as possible. Well, I think you succeeded. Well, thank you so much. Come back anytime. I really would love to have you on. And we could we could wake at work. I promise. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much to our listeners once again. Um, guys, we now today is our 80th podcast. So thank you so much for staying tuned. Again, we're still over 1.8K times. I'm always astounded by how many downloads we're still getting. So thank you so much for coming in and listening. Until next time. Bye-bye for now.